Hello everyone and welcome to The Greenhouse, ASU's environmental show, live from the Bill Austin Radio Studio on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. I'm Pratham Bawal. And I'm Anna Snow. We give you everything you need to know about our home, planet Earth, right now. Today we are going to be talking about fast fashion and we'll break down how it works, its origin, and its impact on the Earth. Plus, we'll talk about a blazing wildfire burning in California since late Friday. We'll break down what is happening, how California is addressing this systematic problem, and how it's happening. The greenhouse begins right now. And we want to start by checking in on something that constantly gets talked about, and that's the premise of fast fashion. Here is what you need to know at this hour. Well, let's start by understanding what fast fashion is. Uh, These are clothes manufactured to be worn only a certain amount of times before they go quote-unquote out of style. Oftentimes, this is created by companies um, themselves looking to push up profit margins. Goods are often priced at cheaper prices, so consumers are able to buy more with the money they have. But the point of fast fashion, or at least what it has become, is that brands are disposable. And that's the real problem behind fast fashion. The clothing industry saw this trend start from the brand Zara. Zara was one of the first companies to introduce um, the year-round cycle in the 90s where new clothes and collections would drop every month. Prior to this change, most stores were going by four seasons, um, and this increased the turnover rate of clothes and purchases made by the American consumer. Sheen is another brand taking advantage of some of this fast fashion. Brands like Sephora and Kylie Cosmetics also have been taking advantage of the internet, using tabs straight on their TikTok pages. Brands are able to set up storefronts on Instagram and Facebook platforms. And that's just another factor that is complicating or even accelerating the cycle. It's the internet. Online social media networks like TikTok, Instagram, even Facebook seem to be adding this problem with what are so-called microtrends. As influencer culture picks up, much of their audience goes to buy the same thing because it's popular. Once the trend is over, it's on to the next product. And sometimes new clothes need to be bought, just because the quality is so bad. A characteristic of fast fashion is that clothes are made with less quality, so they are more likely to deteriorate at a greater speed. And I think that's what's keeping companies able to keep producing these amount of clothes and making it poor in quality so it's not as much of a cost for them to make clothes. That's also what keeps them so cheap, you know, you know, now most of the time, you know, back before, you know, you would pay a hundred dollars for a pair of jeans, but it was a nice pair of jeans and you had it for a long time. Um, and now I don't see, now that sounds like something for rich people. Like I don't see most people walking around in hundred dollar jeans, um, because, you know, you expect them to be cheaper, but then they don't last nearly as long. And, and you buy more of them. And that's why so much quality uh, like, or quantity is being added. And that's great and all, and it's great for the companies. But there also is just the inherent fact that making clothing is not great for the environment. According to ethical consumer, textile production worldwide requires 93 billion cubic meters of water. And that goes back to what we were talking about last week with uh, Arizona running low on water. Well, this is where it's going to. Um, Textiles leave about 20% of the world's industrial wastewater and 10% of our global carbon emissions. Everyone knows that emissions are a problem. Uh, we address it all the time. We we're taught in school about these things. Um, so at last year's COP26, which is a conference of the parties, um, is where the United Nations meets to discuss climate uh, agreements. An agreement was signed between a lot of these big companies, over 130 companies, including major brands like Levi's, H&M, Adidas, and the charges, the charter basically agrees that individual companies should try to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. 
how they go about it can be complicated, but at least they have agreed to a baseline, something which we would have liked to see sooner, but they have agreed. Yes. In order to make the clothing viable to wear, a lot of plastic is put into clothes. When clothes are out of style and tossed, they either rot in U.S. landfills or are sent to third world countries and just end up rotting there. Well, it takes a long time for that plastic to rot. Plastic is not biodegradable and has a harmful effect on the environment. So plastic, I think I've read that it takes somewhere around like hundreds or thousands of years to biodegrade, but plastic was only invented in the 1800s, which means that every piece of plastic that has ever been created is still on the planet. And that is crazy. And there are some times where plastic can be helpful. It's a helpful invention, Mm -hmm. but I think we as people have not figured out how to get rid of them yet. Like there are still solutions where we're trying to get rid of plastic, like plastic bags Mm -hmm. are so important. Um, Plastic as a material isn't bad in and of itself. The problem a lot of times is disposable plastic or when plastic, even if it wasn't originally single use or disposable, ends up in landfills, it's just there forever. Exactly. And because it's a man-made material, that's the reason why it's been taking so long. So Mm -hmm. here's what happens when plastic tries to decay. When plastic is left on the ground and it's supposedly decaying, like everything from the 1800s, it's releasing harmful chemicals into the soil. Um, These chemicals are called phthalates and bisphenol A. And when this enters the soil, the soil underneath ends up getting degraded, uh, degraded. And essentially what this means is the soil is ruined. It can't do any of its functions that it does. All the harmful bacteria or helpful bacteria is eliminated. Without good soil, it can impact species biodiversity and even reduce farmland that many rely on for food. So when you're talking about these third world countries who a lot of their land is used for farmland to make food and they lose their soil, that's like an important natural resource they're losing. And it's important to remember the level at which textiles are dumped. Approximately 92 million tons of textile end up in landfills every year. A very small portion ends up being recycled and turned into new clothes, though. Exactly, and I, I, you've told me this statistic before that only 15 to 20% of clothes sold at... Um, that are donated to thrift stores. Get, end up getting sold, so that gets tossed. Um, imagine that just being used as overall, because not a lot of stuff mm-hmm. gets donated to thrift stores. A lot of things just get thrown onto the curb. There's a whole question about ethics as well when it comes to fast fashion. With cheaper prices for fast fashion, how much are workers really getting paid? The answer? Not a lot. Yeah, so obviously we all know about those sweatshops in lots of countries all over the world. But actually, you know, a lot of people think that a tag that says made in the USA is better. And of course it's sweatshop free when that's actually really not the case. So downtown L.A., is the basically textile you know capital of the United States, um, and they have sweatshops there where the minimum wage there is fifteen dollars an hour, and they have places there where workers are paid as low as six dollars an hour because a lot of them are immigrants who either don't know the laws or they can't speak up because maybe they're not necessarily here legally. Um, another way that America has sweatshops is prison labor, where prisoners are paid either nothing or as little as twelve cents an hour. So that's just slavery essentially. And then um, territories like Guam and other, you know, Pacific Islands that America has control of, they get that made in the USA tag, but they do not have the regulations and they are able to very much like fly under the radar um, in our sweatshops. And that particularly hits hard because made in America, made in USA stickers are something that a, lo- a good portion of Americans like seeing because they believe in like the homegrown model and 
U the U.S. is like stemming everything from themselves but this is a loophole that companies are taking the reality is if you are buying something that says made in the usa it needs to be expensive enough that it was able to pay a worker of living wage um and then that's why i mean you know a lot of things are made in china and china certainly has a lot of sweatshops and problems but a lot of China also has a very um, specialized textile industry, a lot of machinery to make garments that we don't have here in the United States. And the American dollar does go faster or goes farther. Like you can get more for more the amount you have. Yes. Um, in countries like China. So, for example, if you, you know, say you want to start a clothing company, if you do research, you can find sweatshop free labor in China with spe their specialized garment industry and it will be less expensive Made in the United States to actually have the people being paid well will have to be so incredibly expensive. So that's a good way to know if, um, obviously not everyone can afford super high expensive prices, but that is one easy way to know whether you're buying something with sweatshop labor or not is the price. Yeah, it's all about the consumer and their choices on who to support and finding a way to stop that company because it's the responsibility of the consumers being able to control what the companies want because at the end of the day, they're serving you. Yes. Another common thing that companies like to do uh, is use the term sustainable when it comes to describing their products. Um, this is a term people in the marketing industry like to call greenwashing a product. Greenwashing is a marketing term used to trick consumers into thinking the company is ethical. A lot of times the statement is false and companies don't end up being sustainable. They don't make things from sustainable sources, rather they continue their old practices and do something to offset their losses. Yes. And so, you know, especially in recent years, people have learned a lot more about the environment and they want to do something that they want to support companies that are not harming the environment. So that's when these companies learn that, oh, they, they can capitalize and profit off of people's inherent want to do good. So that's why they slap these, you know, sustainably made and this or that or whatever, um, Exactly. On a personal level, the shoes I'm currently wearing right now, they're from Nike. Mm -hmm. um, but they told me that these shoes were sustainable. These are made from like recyclable material, recyclable fibers. And they sent in this very nice box that said, this is made from sustainable. Uh, this is not cardboard. You've recycled. Um, and they give you that good feeling. But the question is, is this true? Uh, and what behind the scenes processes did had to happen to get here? Yes, and so like my shoes, I'm wearing Converse, which I don't know anything about them as a company, I'll be honest, but I bought them and I will wear these until they are dead. Like my, I had one pair of Converse before those and I wore those until the soles were falling off. Um, and so that's another thing. If you have to buy fast fashion or non-sustainably, real sustainable, not the weird, the greenwashing one they like to use, um, uh, just like if you can keep that item and either repair it or just wear it until you can't anymore instead of, you know, having, you know, buying more shoes and just, you know, it's better. Um, sorry, my brain is like, whoo. Um, it is better if you have to buy fast fashion to really get your use out of that item as opposed to maybe buying things you think are sustainable that aren't and then barely wearing them or barely using them. Exactly. And I think Nike and Converse are both brands that are recognizable and we're mm -hmm. wearing them because they are brand name. So we have elected to kind of go in that fast fashion way. Obviously, these are not as fast fashion. These companies have been along for a while, but they are yes. popular. Um, so if there's a way to make them last longer, that's the way to go. 
However, companies are starting to go out more firm with their promise to their customers to be green and support the environment because people can do research. You can find out exactly, you know, what companies are doing a lot of the time. Um, And if you can't, that's a red flag. Um, So uh, Edelman, the world's largest public relations company, announced they will no longer be working with fossil fuel companies to represent them for PR purposes, which I think is great because sometimes the consumer is not enough to hold huge corporations accountable. Sometimes it has to be another corporation, someone on their level. Exactly. And Edelman, it's been around along for a long time. So even though it's not directly related to fast fashion, it is related to the environment. And this mm-hmm. is an example of corporations stepping up. Sometimes sustainable materials are not always the move. Natural materials like cotton and bamboo, even though they are natural and have that appeal of already existing in the world not being man-made, they break down quicker. So if you are looking for things to last longer and like have just like our shoes last forever, sometimes it's better buying those artificial materials. They will work. But the key that many experts would say is understand how you are, who you are. Are you someone who likes buying new things? Then maybe you should buy the things that break down quicker. But if you like carrying the same things um, and making them last longer, artificial materials are the way to go. Exactly. So, you know, just like Pratham said, if you if you really love shopping and you are always needing new stuff and you're going to throw it out, absolutely cotton. But, you know, if you want to have the same jacket you're going to have for the next... T- 10, 20 years, absolutely polyester is the way to go because that item is going to last. On the other hand, if you're buying polyester and throwing it away, it has plastic in it. Um, Like I, for example, I have one of my favorite dresses I got when I was in like seventh or eighth grade from Forever 21, which is definitely fast fashion. But you know what? I've now had that item for like, I don't know how old I'm 20 years old. I probably bought that when I was like 13. I've had that dress for like seven years and I do not plan on getting rid of it anytime soon, you know? Um, which that's just like one little example, a personal you know, story about how while fast fashion is not great, you know, buying more expensive, higher quality items that maybe are better isn't always realistic, you know. That's fantastic. Way to go. And another way to shop sustainably is thrifting. So there is some controversy that comes with thrifting um, because, you know, a lot of people will say you're taking away from people who can't, you know, afford to shop somewhere else. But the reality is that there is so much clothing waste. We talked about it, 90 plus billion tons of it. You are not you are not taking away from the less fortunate if you go thrifting. Um, and like Prof mentioned earlier, thrift stores often only sold about 15 to 20% of their inventory. So, I mean, like if you can get anything from there, like you should. Um, and they um, those clothes often end up being thrown away or sent to what's called a rag house, which is just um, a place where... There are, it's a huge warehouse and clothes are piled, piled up, bundled. There are pounds and like mountains of clothes. And basically if the textile is suitable, then they can be turned into like industrial rags. Um, but a lot of times the textile is not suitable for that. Um, so yeah. And um, the only exceptions I will say when thrifting that thrift stores don't see a lot of is winter coats and then plus size clothing. Um, so that is not as um, uh, readily available to thrift stores. So if you um, can leave that there um, if you don't need it. But if you do need it, obviously, like if that's your budget, then obviously you can buy it. But yeah. Exactly. And the, the only unethical thing that comes is when people go to resell for the purpose of reselling. They buy things at a lower value and then they resell higher. That's when it gets unethical and maybe gets... Um, honestly, reselling isn't even the end of the world because the thing is, it's like, yes, it is people going into thrift stores and buying up a lot of stuff. But you know what? If that's what... 
if you don't want to spend the time looking through a thrift store and you have the funds to buy from a reseller, you're still buying secondhand. Um, it's still better for the planet. It's still creating less demand on fast fashion. Um, now, you know, a lot of times on TikTok and you people talk about, you know, the Depop girlies who go in and buy, you know, T-shirts for, you know, two, three bucks and try to sell them for so expensive on, you know, like Depop. Um, but, uh, and that's similar to like vintage stores. Um, if that's how you shop secondhand is from a curated vintage shop where you're going to pay $100 for a dress, that's how you want to shop secondhand. It's still better. Exactly. And as long as, I guess you do make a good point, as long as being sold in a second-handed way, things will not be bundled together, ending up in third-world countries and devastating the economies. Um, if that is how, like, more wealthy or rich people are going to shop second-hand, is if it's highly curated and presented in a way that makes it seem fancy, then that's how it's going to be. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, the best way to avoid contributing to this problem is to reduce textile waste um, and like repairing clothes if possible is really really great um, small rips and tears that can be easily be hand sewn also um, repurposing and upcycling clothes if you can um, some little you can do little crafts things if you have like a fabric you like but maybe the item doesn't fit you anymore or you know like we were talking about a rag house, which turns clothes into industrial rags. If you have old t-shirts around your house, you can cut those up and use them for rags yourself. Or um, like one uh, craft I've seen like on TikTok and stuff is people cutting up old clothes and stuffing like cheap pillowcases with them to make like decorative pillows and stuff or making their own little pillowcases because pillowcases are so easy to make and stuffing it. Like um, if you can repurpose your own clothes, whether that's as other clothes or just as something else around the house, that's also really great because then it doesn't end up in a landfill. Exactly. And in summary, fast fashion is when clothes are produced rapidly and usually unethically in order to drive up profit margins. When clothes are done being used and tossed, it has, and tossed out of countries, it has devastating effects on the environment. But there is something you can do, and it doesn't necessarily involve buying sustainably. Just buying less or buying uh, secondhand clothes. Yes. Buying what you need, which I will be the first to admit, I'm not always the best about that. Um, I, like, I'll, I'll admit, and, and I hope this doesn't make me a hypocrite as I sit here on this environmental show, I do like shopping, you know? Um, but, you know, I've gotten to a point where I pretty much only thrift now, um, and I try to get, you know, just stuff I need or I know I'm going to wear. Exactly, and that's that's kind of the level of understanding that you need to get. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the ability to understand, the intellect to understand that. Exactly. And with that, we will be back in 30 seconds. Welcome back to the Blaze. Welcome back to Blaze Radio and the Greenhouse. I'm Pepin Bowal alongside Anna Snow. And we want to break down another disaster happening on the West Coast. A wildfire has shut down Highway 1 in Monterey County near the Big Sur area. Uh, For those of you who don't know, it's a little south of San Francisco. It's in California. It has prompted evacuations in the area. At this hour, it is 55% contained. And for some reason, they are calling it the Colorado Fire. The reason this is such a problem is that the fire is burning in this climate in January. It comes during a time of rainy weather in California. The LA Times reports that Los Angeles saw seven inches of rain during the month of December of 2021. This tops 2.03, the 2.03 inch average that it usually sees this time of year. So what that means is that fire season is happening earlier than usual, or at least the first fire of the year. It's not fire season quite yet, but a fire burning in this magnitude uh, is scary. Last season, the first wildfire was declared on May 1st. January 26th is obviously much earlier. 
Uh, official cause has not been determined yet, and many speculate that wind was the factor that set this blaze. For most, Califi- for most of California, wildfires start with heat, and in some cases, gender reveal parties. Fire spreads with dry vegetation. Obviously, it is a problem that the flame started, but it's a bigger problem that this wildfire um, is not that the blaze was set, but that how much it has spread. So far, with it being 55% contained, the fire has burned already 700 acres. Uh, For context, last year, California wildfires consumed more than 2.5 million acres across the state totally. In fact, there were over 8,500 wildfires that CAL FIRE, which stands for the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protections, were called to fight. 42 of these blazes burned more than 1,000 acres, and 34 of the biggest blazes began during the months of June, July, and August. So summertime is really scary. The biggest Dixie fire burned from July 13th to October 25th, burning almost 11 million acres alone. It destroyed 1,329 structures and damaged 95 others. There was one firefighter fatality, three injured, and the the largest single fire in California history. That fire was not even in the worst fire season in California. 2020 saw um, wildfires at even worse levels. In total, 4.4 million acres burned in that season, with one fire burning well over 1 million acres all by itself. The August Complex fire burned from August 16th to November 12th, killing one and injuring two others. In 2021, the trend continued up and down the West Coast with wildfires burning in places like Oregon. I don't know if you remember the orange skies. I do remember that. And it was crazy. It went all over uh, the U.S., covered all the skies. And then right before the end of the year, last year in 2021, you'll remember that there was something called the Marshall Fire, which was in Colorado, not to be confused with the Colorado Fire that's burning in California. That burned nearly 6,000 acres. So it's safe to say that it has not been a good year, good decade for wildfires. Humans can stop this. According to a recent study, 90% of wildfires are caused by people. Small events like campfires, flames, or gender reveal parties. Um, And if you're not aware, uh, we joke about this because there was a gender reveal party that caused a real wildfire last year. Yeah, and let's talk about that. It's called the El Dorado Fire, and it was caused by a gender reveal party in September 2020, and it burned nearly 23,000 acres. It goes to show you how just small mistakes by humans are amplified especially when we are in a drought. California is in a drought, Arizona is in a drought, um, and we're still in a drought in 2022. In October, California Governor Gavin Newsom proclaimed, a Cal- proclaimed California in a drought emergency. He called on California to reduce their water usage by 15% in the same way Arizonans were required to. The problem is wildfires can really start anywhere. In California especially, power lines downed by wind can start fires, and so can warm weather caused by climate change. Not every fire is the fault of humans. It is inevitable that things are going to happen. However, there are always additional steps that can be taken on an individual level. Make sure to take a close look at weather, windy conditions, um, argument that spread the... (laughs) Sorry, my brain. Um, With the heat. If it is also important to keep your campfire well-maintained and away from any fallen brush... Fires can spread easily in ideal circumstances. Make sure to completely douse your fire before you leave it and never leave it unattended. Fires can start with anything hot. And always given this lecture before you go camping or something like that, especially in California. So just important to remember those conditions on an individual level. On a holistic level, it's important to remember for vegetation to be clear because that's what make fires excessively burn. 
But something that people may not often remember is that sometimes fires are actually good for the environment. They're beneficial for the environment and they naturally clean the forest, allowing for the creation of new plants or even the killing of a disease, which often helps species thrive. I don't know if this happens much in California, but I know at home in Florida, they do like what's called like controlled burns where they will burn like the brush, but it's maintained. It's done by the fire department. Um, it is. It happens in California. I'm not mm-hmm. sure the frequency, but okay. I do hear about it. Hear about it on the news that it is good to have, especially with all the forests that we do have in mm-hmm. California and the underbrush. And that way, if there is a wildfire, all that brush isn't there to spread it and make it worse. Exactly. It's all about the thriving environment. And socially, there is a plan to help when the inevitable strikes. California has allowed its inmates to become firefighters on the front lines, paying them less than minimum wage. California is able to use prisoners to protect as much as possible. And this is... Maybe maybe unethical mm-hmm. of paying them less, but um, it does show that social solutions are key to mm-hmm. the problem. As we say, the environment is important to everything we do. It naturally has a tie to our world. I would say it's probably fine if the um, prisoners are like willingly signing up to do this and they are volunteering. Um, you know, because I worry. You know, we talked about prison labor earlier with textiles, um, where they're being paid from nothing to 12 cents an hour. Um, So, you know, I worry about exploitation, but if they are, you know, voluntarily signing up for this, and I see that they're making less than minimum wage, but if it's, like, closer to that $15 California has as opposed to being 12 cents, you know? And I think a a lot of it willingly do sign up, and Mm -hmm. it's because they want to gain transferable skills when they get out of prison and maybe start a new life. That makes sense. That's the new way of... um, correction that is being uh, pushed through. However, there's some unexpected barriers people reach because when these prisoners, when they're released, they have a convicted felony Mm -hmm. on their record. So it's difficult for them to get public service jobs. Yes. So now the California governor signed into law a bill that allows incarcerated inmates to have a pathway back into the workforce and joining firefighters. So even though it may be unethical from the start, California is trying to fix that, get a pathway and kind of help out. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so it's all about social policy. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, we talked about a terrible natural disaster happening in California and an industry that relies us that relies on us using clothing quickly and unsustainably. Thank you so much for tuning in to Blaze Radio on blazeradioonline.com. Tune in next week to hear all things planet Earth. I'm Anna Snow. And I'm Pratham Wall. Have a great rest of your Wednesday.